If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comic Zero 2 Report. The Comic Zero 2 Report is a member of the Believe uh, Podcast Network. That's why on your favorite podcast platform it reads Believe in the Comic Zero 2 Report and not the title that I wanted initially, which is simply just the Comedy Bureau Field Report, uh, and this is, you know, over 180 episodes of me explaining this to people, and, uh, and it's been a while since somebody has pointed out that they, they were confused by the title of the podcast, but I'm sure somebody who I haven't run into yet will come and say thank you for explaining why that weird word is in your name. Um... Let's hope that happens soon so I can justify to keep doing this. Anyways, enough of that, Michigan. On to this week's great guest, uh, hailing all the way from New York City. Uh, and I just got to see her headline Largo, which is, I, I hope if you're listening to this podcast, that means you know that that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And she did wonderfully. Uh, and she also tours the world, you know. Uh, please give it up for Natalia Akor, everybody. Does Zoom record both of our claps at the same time or not really? It does, but you clapped so gingerly. I don't know if that it picked it up. Because you know why? I, I think I my understanding of Zoom is that it takes only one sound at a time, and I didn't want to take over yours. I was like, if we're going to take one clap for my name, I'd rather it be not mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how thoughtful natalie is she did not want to overstep my clap exactly i did it for you not not for, uh -huh. my, for my pride uh, or well, yeah or also that you didn't want to seem self-aggrandizing because you're clapping for yourself <laughs> exactly exactly uh how's it going on this uh new york city morning for you it's going great. Just as many car honks as usual. Um, which... a, lot of, a lot of car honks over there? A lot of car honks here. So if you hear them at some point, I'm sorry if they're going to disrupt the sound. because they. Fine. I live in LA. That's like white noise to us. Is it? I feel like in LA, it's pretty quiet. I mean, I, I mean, it's loud and on highways and stuff, but I feel like right. the little corners and streets. No, that's, that's fair. I, I guess I'm conflating that with, so we get a lot of sirens and helicopters. I see yeah yeah 
that's yeah. yeah that's not what we get here but it, it becomes white noise to me but i start noticing it when i'm on a call or on a video call i really like oh whoa mm -hmm. um but it might not pick it up here which which could be good besides that it's good we've had a few rainy days but right now the sun is coming out i love a morning in new york mm -hmm. love a morning in new york i think it's my my favorite part of my life is really um, that I live in New York and that I get the mornings in New York. What do you love about a morning in New York? I love the part right before it kind of explodes in like you know, that, yeah. traffic and everything. The part where it's still kind of quiet. It still like smells like... Is that 5 a.m. or something? No, it's like 7. 7, okay. 8. 7, okay. 8. Would be sorry. I'm in Brooklyn, to be fair. I'm not in the heart of oh, the okay. city. So 7, 8 a.m. in Brooklyn is still kind of, um, it's kind of chill. And I love the smell of coffee in the morning. Oh, yeah. And New York streets, like, we have a lot of coffee shops, obviously, and smelling the coffee, I don't know what it is, but uh, brings me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. And I like, I like to be alive at a time where I feel like people aren't doing anything yet. Right. I feel like the time is truly just mine and I'm not part of the world. <laughs> it's really it's it's weird but i love it i don't feel pressure i don't feel anxiousness i just feel like peace and i love it i just love new york and i don't since i travel a lot because of what i do i feel like it makes me appreciate every day i wake up in new york i'm just like so appreciative that i'm home that i'm in new york <laughs> because i have so many warnings where i don't Mm. And I'm sad those mornings where I'm like, I don't even know where to go for the smell of coffee. <laughs> where would I go? Like when I'm in LA, I'm like, I need a car. Where do I go? <laughs> we where have plenty I of coffee shops, but yeah, you kind of need a car. I know, but you need a car and I don't have a car in LA. Obviously, I'm not going to get a car for a couple of days I am there a year. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I mean, that was a job at LA. It's not just LA, it's anywhere. Anywhere I am, I'm like, where can I go find the smell of the good coffee in the morning? Where can I walk out? Mm -hmm. I like familiarity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I love, I'm a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, it's a great morning in New York. Mm -hmm. I, woke I love up that answer. I yeah. get that almost same exact feeling around 1 a.m. in LA. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's very similar. Late nights, people get the same, people get the same vibe. And I used to be like that about late night when I was younger, but mm -hmm. now I'm more like that about mornings. I like to sleep early. If I'm not on stage, I yeah. like to go home and what sleep. Time? Like eight? You like to go home at eight or something? If I can be home at eight, I'll be so happy. But that <laughs> happens, but that happens rarely. Usually, I would say ten, eleven. Right. Um. And that's not because I'm out. It's because I'm do I'm I'm working, and then right. I'll come back home. And the earlier I'm home, mm -hmm. the happier I am. Like right. settle in, and then go to sleep, and then try to wake up early and get that feeling. But I feel like some people are like they love early morning. Some people love late nights. And I think some people don't care about either. They just love to be a part of the moving world. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in creative minds, maybe. Mm -hmm they either are morning creators or night, like night night creators. But I think there's something in common in both. Um, in both is that it's, they both like to create at a time of stillness when it doesn't feel like everything is going on. People are moving and our friends are together and people are working. We like to feel, we feel like we can, we can work and be creative at a time where everything else is still. 
Right. Right. I that's my that, that's my interpretation. I might be totally wrong, but no, I think that does represent a a big majority of a bunch of creative types. What mm -hmm. do you think about somebody who's both? Interesting. I mean, that's a psychopath. Is that what you're calling me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you ever stop? It's it's great. I guess you're the most productive person ever. Yeah, I mean, that's how you run a bureau by yourself. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was both. Sometimes I'm both. I have my days where I'm like, I'm feeling inspired. But it's like, I would say mostly you're either or, unless you're a machine. You know, I mean, I, I should go get another physical and see if that's true or not. When's the last time you had a physical? Uh, Probably a year ago. But before that, like, I hadn't gotten a physical in like a decade. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm I'm getting my physical next week. Like I get a physical every year on the dot and sometimes even uh -huh. less so because I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> the confidence to have a physical once every 10 years is insane to me. That's yeah, insane. I'm, I mean, I guess, you know, a, a lot of that's a little unhinged, but yeah, generally um, I, uh, I kind of go like I'm doing stuff well like I'll usually get home at earliest like midnight but a lot often like 1am and uh and then I'll usually do an hour or two of work and then I'll sleep because uh I can't stay awake anymore yeah and then usually I'm up like somewhere between like 6 30 and 8 wow yeah and then I'll uh it'll happen all over again. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how I you don't, do it. Uh, other than the fact that I've just been doing it for years and years and years, I don't know how to do it either. Yeah, I feel like I used to too. I feel like especially in my first few years in New York when I was like full on in my in my comedy grind, mm -hmm. I wouldn't come home before like two AM. Sometimes I'd come home at like four. Right. Because you do you you do you know your mics your shows whatever and then you want to hang out with other comedians right and those usually go so late you hang out at the oh, diner they go, especially in new york because there are things that are open till four yeah exactly i mean things that are open 24 7 yeah um and so yeah i used to have i used to have that longevity in my body and that desire to do it i mean i, I, oh, I used to fall asleep in the back of open mics that was <laughs> my lowest i take a quick power nap at midnight in the back while waiting for my turn i'd wake up when i hear my name being called right I was, i'd be so tired because i used to work like a full-time day job right so i'd right. be up at like 7 a.m and then i'd be working all day and then 6 p.m i would start hitting open mics to like 1 2 a.m and so i'd be beat and, yeah but i felt like i could do it i was like so hungry and i was so excited <laughs> and right thing, you know but now i'm like oh my god Oh my god i don't know if it's because like you know when you when you when you're like basically 30 and you don't have the same um excitement in your body than when you're 22 <laughs> oh. right but, that yeah, i feel like if i had started comedy today like sure. i i don't know how i would have done it yeah right. I don't know how I done it. well you know you wouldn't stay out so late i mean was there did the hang become less valuable to you no, I, I feel like it's always been valuable. I really love it. 
but I'm just so tired. Right. And I feel like there's so much time and energy I have in my body. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like at the time I wasn't, you know, I was, I was young, I was single and whatever. Now I'm in a relationship. I live with my, I live with my boyfriend mm-hmm. and I actually like love him and love being <laughs> around him. So when I'm like done doing my work, I'm like, uh-huh. I want to go home into the arms of the men that I love. Like, <laughs> I want someone to hug me. I, I don't want to just sit yeah, here. Of course. And, and we, we shouldn't sound so surprised that that is a like a natural human desire. I know, but it's like at first when I was like, you know, when I first starting out, you 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 get this idea that um that like if you're not eating, breathing, sleeping, bathing, comedy at 24-7, it's all that you do. You shouldn't do anything else that you're gonna fail and you're gonna suck. And I think it's some like to a certain extent in the beginning, there is a certain yeah. truth, there is a certain truth to it where it's like it has to consume you completely. Yeah. And it did, it consumed me completely for years and years and years. And it wasn't up until a year ago or a year and a half ago where I met him. And I feel like he came at the right time where I was ready to like, I knew how to balance my work a little bit more and how to work smart and not hard. Right. Um, or at least like divide my time a little bit better and learn like, okay, this is the time where things are productive. And these are times where things are not productive. They're just like a waste of time and a fun waste of time, but a waste of time. And so like this fun waste of time, I'm like, okay, I'm learning to kind of put it to the side now and try to build a real life for myself outside of the stage. While still important. Huh? It's so important to have. Which is so important because then you have things to actually say because you're feeling things. Yeah. Right? I like, feel, yeah, if you don't live this life, what are you going to talk about? Mm-hmm. I see it all the time at Mike's, like people grind so hard and they get it consumed, like you were saying. And I also agree within like the first few years that you should do it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what you, what the, your sphere of what you experience in the world is, is so um, limited and rigid because all you're doing is open mics. Yeah. You know, and I mean, even to that degree, I would tell people like, go to some shows where you're not on it and you're not trying to get on it and just enjoy it because I, I it's easy to forget as stupid as it sounds, but it's supposed to be fun. Oof, I lost you. Oh, okay. Am I back? Hello? Hello? Oh, you're back. Yeah. I, I lost you. At, at, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. And it, this sounds, uh, it might sound stupid, but um, it's supposed to be fun. Comedy is supposed to be fun. Yeah. 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 And people it take really it so is. seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, I feel like even when I first started, and I would say up to this day, mm-hmm. like, it really inspires me when I go and I watch shows or I, when I watch good comedy, yeah. when I watch good comedy, I feel very inspired. Um, I feel it makes me more excited about it again. And, I'm, and it reminds me that this is a beautiful craft, right? Yes. It's an art, art form. Yeah. And it's a beautiful one when it's good. Right. And sometimes when you sit with yourself and your set and your jokes for too long, Mm-hmm. start just you're just like in the in the oh how do I make this joke sound better how do I make sure the wording is right here and you you get into a tornado and you forget that you know this is such a fun beautiful thing so like watching someone do it and someone who's great 
it gets you a little excited about it again. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. This is awesome. Like, okay, I got it. And it gives you a little fuel to like sit back down. So yeah, I think so much of the work and the, 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 the joy of it and the positive energy that comes from it comes from consuming it as well, mm-hmm. you know, and not just stand up. I feel like consuming just art in general, like movies or good music like sometimes i'm inspired by by a good movie or by a good song agreed uh, i mean last time i was in new york i went and saw as much comedy as i could but i also made sure to go to the whitney and yeah yeah and like experience like as many little neighborhoods as i could with all their little idiosyncrasies and things that you know like we don't have like a ukrainian village out in la yeah yeah. So I went and enjoyed that. Did you, did you go to Veselka? Yes, I did. So good. I used to, back in my early days, I used to go there. There was the, a couple of open mics around it. So we used to go and eat there so much. So good. Yeah, it, it was it was really, really, uh, really great. And not too far from a bunch of things. But mm-hmm. um, I, again, like, I think that is, you know, I don't know how people individually come to that realization, but you do need to live life to have things to talk about. Uh, otherwise, you it, you're just sound like a broken record. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I also think like, if you're not living and feeling things, how are, because everyone that's in your audience is living and, and feeling things. So how are they going to, feel what you're feeling if you're not feeling anything like if you're just looking for jokes they're not going to be able to relate to anything because you're not talking about being alive as a human yeah like, what was the last thing that you saw or experienced that inspired you in this way uh, that's a good question um i watched the titanic a couple of days ago and i feel like that <laughs> The movie? Yeah, I watched the Titanic movie. You know what it was? I also watched the Titanic movie because my boyfriend had never seen it. And okay. we were like, we you, should watch seen it. it though. Yeah, I've seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. It um it, it used to play in, on cable in Lebanon like so often. So like when I would be like going through the channels and it would be playing, I'd always stop and watch it. <laughs> it would I was always it was always playing. Always. But what was it like watching it in Lebanon? Um, pretty much the same, just with Arabic subtitles and a uh, pause for for commercials. <laughs> but just like besides that, it was pretty much the same. It doesn't have any crazy like sex scenes or anything like that, so there weren't too many cuts. Uh-huh. Um, you, you got know? to see the hand on the window still. You get to see the hand on the window, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to see the hand on the window, but um, you know, it's funny because we were watching it and and there are shots in the movie where they show the titanic underwater uh-huh. they show you like how it is and how it used to be and as we were looking at the under the water shots we were like yeah we get why people were on the submarine i mean this is sick imagine imagine you can see this life because everybody was like online when the submarine thing happened everybody was like why the fuck would you get on a submarine to fucking look at the titanic and i'm like this is majestic i mean imagine you could have seen this live this is insane so like the whole movie we were talking about like, this is crazy you could just like imagine you could have i would have probably done it if i had all this money 
To be fair, when you were growing up, were you inundated with something about the Titanic outside of the movie, like every two years? No. That is my experience here in America. Really? How so? Yeah. Like, what do you mean inundated? Like, there would be some documentary, there would be a traveling exhibition mm-hmm. at museums, and it's like, we get it. <laughs> this ship that said that it was unsinkable sank because it decided to veer off course and get scratched by an iceberg rather than hit it head on oh wait that's okay see i i didn't have that so i'm not tired of it right exactly that like i i've been so desensitized with a lot of things like that because it was just i was just like it was shoved in my face so much growing up like a bunch of egypt stuff is like that like so many history museums when I was growing up uh, always had this like revolving traveling exhibition of somebody's like sarcophagus or a bunch of canopic jars or whatever and like oh the pyramids the pyramids the pyramids like cool do you have anything else you know yeah 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 Yeah, I I I I hear it I hear you yeah I guess my experience of it is just totally different because nobody talked about the titanic we had our own titanics daily you know so like (laughs) (laughs) we weren't really we were really talking about that one but Uh yeah watching a movie that's that good um yeah it kind of like inspires me i i feel like um it it gets me excited to write it gets me excited to write because yeah it gets me it gets me excited excited to write it doesn't necessarily always give me ideas but i feel like movies that are you know for example very good at character building or like the directing is amazing these sometimes give me like as i'm watching the movie makes me think of bits of mine and a way to structure them better or like i um i i watched like triangle of sadness i feel like that movie really inspired me love that movie or like asteroid city i loved oh yeah anderson one like i feel like yeah just like good art good writing Mm -hmm. makes me and and it's hard to explain how it inspires me because it's not like oh i see this character so i want to write a character like it's not like that it's not like i'm not like getting ideas from it really but it's more of like yeah i don't know i I feel like there's something that ignites in my brain that gets me creative and excited just because i feel so inspired by how good the representation of humanity is in certain in certain yeah. aspects. I wish there are a lot of I wouldn't even limit it to this to comedians, but there are a lot of artists who worry about their intake of like art and uh and the fear that they'll they'll be derivative. And yes, that- I have that fear too. That's mm-hmm. why I feel like I'm a lot more scared to watch comedy than I am to watch <laughs> a movie. because I'm always scared I'm like what if like I would never ever 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 copy anybody ever to me it's like I'd rather never talk again (laughs) yeah and it's just because I'm and it's not just because of the how gross I think it is it's also in addition to that I'm very proud and I'm very like um obnoxious about my my art and Uh I'm like I don't want to say anything anybody has said before I want to be so original so it's because (laughs) like my ego would never right so I do have that fear where I'm like what if I watch something I really love and like years later or months later I write something similar without realizing because it's because it can happen right it can can. and so I I I get so scared and 
And and so that's why I love finding inspiration in other art forms because I feel like it's almost impossible. Like, right. and I feel like I watched a clip a couple, like not so long ago, as I was thinking about it, it's crazy how the universe or the algorithm gets you. But um, <laughs> I watched this amazing, um, it's not amazing. I just, I watched this clip that really um, stuck with me. I think it was Anthony Jesselnack where somebody was asking him like, where do you find your inspiration? Like what inspires you? And he's like, I find it in anything but stand up. He's like, I consume um, art that's not stand up. And that's where I find like the best inspiration and the best ways to like get ideas to write. Yeah. Like copy, he's like, I don't know if you use the word copy, but he's like, get inspired by people who do not your art form. Right. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Conor I think it's like, the same. Thing. Huh? Conor O'Brien does the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's so true. And I, I think that's kind of what, like what I've been doing. I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think it creates like, yeah, it creates really good form. Like when you see uh, like a painting of that is inspired by Greek mythology stories, right. You know, like mm -hmm. one is a story, it's a book, it's a, it's an essay. And the other one is a painting. It has, it's not the same thing, but it's inspired by, and it just completes it in a way. Right. Yeah. Same I idea. Yeah. yeah, I feel that for sure. I mean, now that I, like you saying that, I'm thinking like the last time I was in New York, I went to the Guggenheim uh -huh. and um, there was a whole Kandinsky exhibit. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Kandinsky is like a very seminal modern artist. Uh, you know, it, I'm Googling it, him right now. <laughs> thanks for the transparency. You could have not said that. Yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I talk, I talk shit and, and I, I talk like I know what I'm talking about. I don't have a lot of knowledge, so I'm Googling. I don't even know. You know what? I can't even spell his name. Gunduski? Kandinsky with a K. Ken. Ditz? Like Ditsy? K-A-D-I-N-S-K-Y. Wassily Kandinsky. Yeah. Russian painter. Okay, got it. So you went to see an exhibition of his. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for those folks who uh, like to see an actual representation of a thing, uh, this mm -hmm. is not for you. <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot of like shapes and uh, different color palettes and stuff like that. But um, there's something so evocative about all of it that um, for me, uh, sparks a sense of play. Like when I look at it, like oh, you know, just I think about being free on stage and uh, being present, and yeah, not being so stuck or rigid or you know, which is I don't recommend anybody necessarily do this, but I don't ever write a set list out. Really? No. How come? I don't like being stuck in a moment where I'm like thinking of like or looking at a list like I just want so how do you how do you make sure like you're working like if you're working on a joke mm -hmm. how do you so like what's your like if I don't have a set list that I look at before and I'm like okay this is the story I'm telling this is all the points I want to hit these right. are all the punchlines and the premises like how do you so do you but you still write I do write yeah yeah but like when you go up you're mm -hmm. like okay I guess I'm gonna talk about this one theme that I had in mind 
No, I mean, like before I'll look through notes that I've jotted down throughout the day uh, or the week or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to talk about those things. But that's the last time I look at it. And then I'll go up and uh, wherever that, like the hope is, yes, I want to talk about these three things. If I don't get to them because I was having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's a system. Everybody has their own. And if it works, it works. I, I, I couldn't, I need like mental organization. Like, right. I feel like, I mean, I have done this before where I've gone up and like not thought about my set and I'm like, okay, I have a couple of things in mind if I want to, but now I'm just going to be present and I've done that. But I feel like that's not when I'm at my best. And I'm at my best is when I know exactly the story I'm about to go up and tell. Right. Like, okay, what's, what's this, who's the Natalie? What's, what's Natalie's story today? Who right. is this girl that they're going to see? What is she going through? And what is she trying to say? I need yeah. to know, like, what is her emotion today? Like, if I feel like if I'm going up and I don't know what I'm, what my emotion is, what my angle on life is that day, right? I'm all over the place. Like, sometimes I sound um, slow and like reflective. And then I suddenly sound angry and like, uh, so sure of myself. And then I sound shy again. And then I'm like, there's inconsistency. But I feel like, also for me, because I'm a person who puts in a lot of there, my 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 standup is very emotional. It's oh, very yeah. very it's, sure. Yeah, it's like here's how I feel. I feel these things about these things that move me. So if I don't have a clear cut idea of what the who I'm, which which emotional version of me is going to be up, it's okay. a mess, and I feel like I can't get the crowd, and I bomb. <laughs> I bomb because they're like, "Who are you? What are you? What is? What are we looking at? You know." <laughs> Right. I'm not just like monotone delivering jokes. Sure. Which some days I'm like, I wish I was that type of comedian. I wish I was a comedian that could just hold the mic and just say words without movement and, and facial expressions and, and emotion and still be hilarious. But it's just not me. You know, I, I, I it's not you. And then the people no. who are good at that, they look at you and they 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 wish that they could be that, but they're not. Oh, I, w- I hope so. That would make me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I've seen it, like, when people who write at late night, uh, like, that's their thing, like, especially if they're a monologue joke writer, I've seen them, they'll, like, they'll hold on to the mic stand like it's a life raft, and yeah. and just, like, recite their jokes at people, and they've learned through repetition that they're supposed to wait um, after they hit a punchline, <laughs> but it, other than that, it feels like, oh, wait, this is, like, a machine, this doesn't yeah. mean a real person. I mean, it's yeah. very clever writing, but come on, you know, connect with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I with that in mind, I, I would almost be interested. I, you know, I don't think morning comedy shows are necessarily the best thing, although Maria Bamford gets away with it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'll because love you love that seven to eight a.m. New York City morning, like with the smell of coffee, I wonder what that Natalie would be like on stage which which natalie the your your favorite like morning time you know yeah like is that what sort of emotion would that bring to stage if you were to do a show like in the morning that's such an interesting point like it's a very interesting question i don't i yeah i don't know just like a joyful a... that could be such a good experience half comedians perform at 7 a.m <laughs> yeah i feel like that would be the purest and realest and most authentic version of each one of us 
Yeah. I, it's like I haven't had the day to think of what I want to represent today is just me up here, just right. woke up. Right. Um, I feel like there would be less walls up and more authenticity. I would love that. Yeah, that's such a, I, I never thought of that. That's such an interesting question to think about. Yeah. I feel I like, bet, huh? Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like it would be a very tamed version of me. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I feel so peaceful. Yeah. In the morning, which, yeah. I mean, you've seen me on stage. It's not really, yeah. It's just not really, um, I'm, I'm, it's not really calm. <laughs> yeah. It's um, more calm than uh, Dave Merhej, who opened for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's not that's not that's a pretty high bar in not calmness. Yeah, I feel like Dave, Dave is a tornado. Yeah, yeah, Dave is a tornado who almost never does material. <laughs> yeah, but that's the crazy thing about Dave because if you sit with Dave, he's so calm. He is. Unless, unless he's like in riff mode and he's, he's, you know, fucking around with his friends and they start all yelling and laughing and he becomes this person. Right. But when you're sitting one-on-one -on -one with Dave, he's very quiet and he's listening and he's asking questions and he's a little confused and he's a little shy and he has all these layers to him, but then he goes up on stage and he becomes this force, right? <laughs> yeah. And I always look at him on stage and I'm like, oh my God, where does this come from? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like if you only know Dave Mraz on stage, there's a whole other part of him that you like do yeah. not know at all. But I love watching Dave on stage. I have so much fun watching him because he's just so fun. He is so fun. So funny, so fun, and just like so quick. Yeah, absolutely. And and he is very emotional. Yeah, and I is. like that too. Dave is emotional because uh, I find that he is a beautifully a sensitive, sensitive person. Yeah, he is very sensitive for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he um, has a lot of feelings. <laughs> I did want to say, like, you know, it's interesting to me that you say you, like, worry about being derivative because I feel like the, the, the cure for that is just making your comedy more personal, however that mm -hmm. manifests. Because the more personal you are, the like no one's lived your life, you know, right? Um, and it is very, very much personal, uh, in a way. Yeah, I haven't heard before. Um, like there is, there is almost like a hack version of like being an immigrant or children of immigrant parents, mm -hmm. where you just get stuck comparing wherever you came from to america yeah um well i mean of course that's unavoidable to do the way that a lot of comics talk about it is just like boring now and yeah. i don't feel like you do that you make it so intensely personal yeah i mean i guess i agree with you and i feel like it's it, it's a it's like a conscious effort not to mm -hmm. because it's hard because it's it, like comparing it where you came from to, or, or what your family is like to where you live and the, the culture you're a part of it's hard not to do that because you're feeling it and you're living it every day 
Right. But I found that when I was doing that, and sometimes I find myself falling back into that and then I have to like fish myself back out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like it was easy for me to connect with people. Like I, w- I would feel it on stage unless I was in front of an Arab crowd that was exactly like me. Uh-huh. It was hard to connect. And I'm like, okay, well, as my- I love connecting with Arab people. I love connect. Of course, I want my people to feel like they see themselves in me, but I, I don't want to limit myself to just be able to talk to them. Right. I want to be able to talk to everyone. And I want to not feel like I'm just annoying people when I'm performing in different parts of the country right. and not to be compared or like confused with, I, I don't want to please them or tell them what they want to hear. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I want them to feel like, you know, our story and theirs are not that different to the core. Right. Because at the end of the day, I truly believe that humans to the core are all the same. Oh, yeah. And so what I try to do and the reason why I get so personal is because I feel like everything I, although my experiences and the way I've lived them are very different than the way you have, or the way someone in Kansas city has, or the way someone in Canada or Mexico or even Sweden has, I feel like even though we've all had different experiences to the core, we have same, the same feelings. We feel the same things we have, you know, the same insecurities the same ways everybody wants to be loved everybody wants to feel accepted everybody wants to be a part of something everybody wants to be rich everybody or etc etc everybody wants to be healthy everybody wants to feel heard wants to feel seen yeah so I'm like how can I if I make it super personal I can make it through my story that's a little different Mm -hmm. but just go to the core of the feeling to make anybody feel like they can relate to it and they can see themselves in it yeah, absolutely. That's kind of like what I want to do because if I if I don't do that, I just feel like I'm alienate, alienate, alienating a crowd and then they're not listening to the joke anymore. And at some point it just sounds like I'm lecturing rather than making jokes. Right. If you're just being, this is how I am. This is how you are. This is how I am. This is how you are. They're going to be like, okay, instead of going like, oh, what's the feeling versus if you just go, oh my God, this is how I feel about things. Right. And this is like, what's going on deep, deep in my heart and in my body and in my soul and in the corners of my brains that I'm not necessarily proud of. I feel like everybody can kind of relate to it. So that's why I feel like I I made sure, or I try at least to be as personal as possible and dig as deep as I can. Cause I feel like that's where the common factor with everybody is. But sometimes I go a little too deep where it's like, okay, well there's, there's no comedy here. There's just facts. <laughs> there's just psychology that's when the industry calls it a solo show right yeah exactly that's why you go okay this is no longer stand-up this is a solo one hour one woman show this way you can like go oh yeah it's not meant to be funny all the time right but at the same time I have trouble like letting go and becoming this thing because I'm like and it's funny as we were calling it a solo show and you know I've been working on it with Rami Rami's like are you sure it's a solo show because it feels like stand-up I mean you're not really fully giving into the performance and 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 like it's it's pretty punchy like it's punchlines and I'm like okay 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 you're right let me go into more of the emotion and so I started like looking deeper like expanding the jokes or like expanding the stories and as I was spending time telling stories and there were no jokes I was like no 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 there's I mean there is a whole school to unlearn to be able to like feel comfortable right doing that but I'm 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 like trying to get comfortable with it with this with this hour where I'm like it's okay if it's not always always perfect also what is a solo show and what is stand-up I mean if it's funny it's funny it's comedy it's comedy leave me alone stop yeah I agree no I think uh 
speaking as I guess slightly a gatekeeper in a way that it, I, I don't know it just ended up happening uh I don't yeah. like those lines in the sand you know yeah I, I agree it's ridiculous and I think like you know when you say that it makes me think of the kind of, like it was just dudes dudes getting mad at Nanette for like oh is that a comedy special like it's a comedy special because she said it was yeah and so many people enjoyed it just yeah. I also hate this like thing in comedy of comedians coming at each other like oh this sucks this is not this is like okay well shut up just yeah. focus on yours mm-hmm. there's clearly people who enjoy it and people who love it and people who laugh you don't have to love every fucking comedian out there no it's crazy because musicians don't really do that with each other right not I mean, as not, much. To, not publicly anyway not publicly yeah and it's like yeah to me I like I hate it when comedians take a job at other comedians I mean sometimes it's granted when you know somebody's being an asshole or like annoying sure but like being like oh this sucks or it's like well she sold out that theater and she has a lot of fans that people love her and feel seen and are laughing through it so just like maybe back off and focus on your work right instead of focusing on what to say about them right that's kind of a stance I've had for since I started the comedy bureau is that like comedy is so subjective who am I to say that somebody's quote-unquote um wrong for like yeah when they enjoy it um and honestly putting any energy time or resources into saying like oh you know why this isn't funny or they're not funny uh is only going to preach to the choir like that people who disagree with me doesn't we're going to disagree harder people yeah it's not serving anything it really isn't and i really don't see a purpose in it and i'm like i'm like i'm not gaining anything Mm -hmm from weighing in on if I think they're good or not. Like, this is just taking away time that I could be focusing on my own work. So why would I? Right. That being said, I'm I'm just like, sometimes I sit down, I'm like, oh my God, if my work ever comes out, they're going to do the same thing to me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the bravery required for art, you know, is putting yeah. yourself out there. Putting and, yourself out there, exactly. And, and accepting I, what might come from it. Right. Well, I know, I mean, I know people who like, well, they didn't never said it to my face exactly, but like no. oh, that they hate my comedy. Of course. So same. Yeah. And, same. It, and yeah. guess what? You're you're fine. And there are people that still love what you do or, you know, yeah. and feel sort of changed or inspired. Yeah. And I, I think that's why also like I kind of I, I I kind of like don't, you know, spend a lot of time as much time as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um at comedy hangs and stuff I have my comedy friends and I hang out with them but like big hangs and things like that I kind of avoid because I I kind of feel that toxicity in the air and, just, I, and I feel it disrupting my my whole energy and I'm like I don't want that right I'm mindful of to that I'm mindful of the hang of like who is who is hanging here I don't mm-hmm. want to just hang with any group of comedians <laughs> yeah even ones that i kind of know passively uh yeah if i'm gonna put my time out in there like i want to like have fun and feel like like i'm not doing work yeah 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 that's of course and that makes sense yeah still i won't go home early (laughs) i'll just (laughs) maybe i shouldn't but i'm just like i want to sleep and wake up early (laughs) 
I don't know. I have other, like, I have a friend who's a working artist. I have a, another, a, like, that I go dance with a lot and hang. And then there's yeah. a, someone, a dear friend of mine who owns, like, a vintage store who I talk to a lot, mm-hmm. um, who's fascinating because she believes, she believes in, like, everything. And I yeah. believe in almost nothing. And I find it really funny that we're really good friends. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. always like that. Yeah. And she'll, she always tries to be somewhat respectful that I uh-huh. am fantastic. Yeah. She'll go spat off on like a, a, how the universe is um, bringing her some message by like this cockroach landing on her head while she was sleeping. <laughs> like it's all connected, Jake. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, you know, maybe you just don't have like really good walls in your apartment. <laughs> I don't know that that really means anything intrinsically to the universe, but sure, yeah. if that's what you derive meaning from, great. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, you want to do some comedy news, Natalie? Let's do it. Okay, great. Uh, so first up. This uh, came in my uh, inbox just right before we um, got on the Zoom. Uh, Comedy Gives Back, which is a nonprofit that uh, aids in supporting comedians in the comedy industry, notably during quarantine. They had like this discretionary fund where they would like give comedians if you prove that you had toured as a comedian to a certain degree in the last year or two, they would mm-hmm. give you some money to tide you over during COVID, mm-hmm. like a grant. And you don't have to pay them anything. No, you don't have to pay them any. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was like a thing that they did, uh, which was very nice because a lot of comedians who toured as comedians had trouble filing for pandemic insurance unemployment because you know our our work uh record is a little sketchy a lot of yeah time. um so they just established what they're calling a healthcare portal uh called comedy gives back health net uh i mean this is a long standing issue with being a comedian cuz a lot of times you are sort of self employed or you're your own llc and uh, your health insurance comes down to you paying out of pocket, which in this country is uh, often very ridiculous. Um, I mean, I pay out of pocket, but, you know, uh, thankfully through something, some weird ACA loophole, I, I get a lot of savings, but that wasn't the case for a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this healthcare portal, they, they uh, say in their press release is not healthcare, but it is a low-cost low cost alternative that uh, provides access to low-cost and transparent pricing for prescriptions, specialists, urgent care, and ER visits, uh, access to virtual mental health therapy, and uh, addiction recovery treatment that's self-led. Uh, and that is all stems from an annual fee of 200 bucks, so 200 bucks a year, uh, of virtual pet health care interesting i think uh, hearing it now like the first at first sound it sounds great Mm -hmm. 
but I feel like a lot of these things sound great at, at first and then once they are applied you get surprises so I would love to see how this pans out and Maybe. what actually it actually involves because I feel like so many times especially with healthcare and like low-cost stuff and like those miracle things that you've been wait waiting for they're like oh we're doing all of the stuff that no one has done before because it's almost impossible but for us it's super simple and here we are offering it to you right. and you're like cool and then you look into it or you try to sign up and it's like actually there's all these things that you wouldn't have expected and yeah we help cover costs but it's actually a dollar for the 300 dollars you're supposed to pay in therapy or something like that right, right. so i'm a little bit dubious but um i'm curious to see how this pans out i mean if it's as good as it sounds this sounds awesome but it yeah. just feels stupid I, to be i hope so too yeah awesome. yeah uh we'll just have to wait and see because that was literally announced today and yeah. i mean i don't think as much uh as unions sort of galvanized this year maybe more so than any year that i remember uh like, I don't know that there will ever be a comedian's union. There's just like too many people willing to undercut it and scab, essentially. Yeah. And it's also like, here's the thing. Most of the comedians, once they get to the point of being like full-time comedians and paid comedians, they're either part of WGA or the right. Actors Guild, right? So they're like, okay, well, they can most of the time join one of the other already existing unions. Right. So they don't feel the, the need, the, the, the comedians who actually just want to have their own union are, I, I feel like part of a lower, a, a lower minority, right? Um, and I'm talking about full-time comedians, those who don't have other jobs that are paying their bills. Right. I feel like that's the thing. And it also feels like it could be a little messy and it's not consistent enough. I mean, I don't know. I mean, ideally a union would be great. Right. People um, try and it just never stuck. Just never stuck. Yeah. That's the thing. It never stuck. Yeah. In the seventies, the, uh, the comics at the comedy store went on strike. Too. Right. I remember that. I remember that's, I mean, I wasn't born, but I remember that story. <laughs> yeah. And that never stuck. Uh, I think sometime around Occupy Wall Street, Ted Alexandro uh, and a bunch of New York folks try to start a comedian's union that didn't stick. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing, I don't feel there's enough of people who feel like they need it. <laughs> yeah. Who are up there, you know? Yeah. Well, also to your point, I feel like the, the idea of just making a living as a comedian and comedian only, meaning that you just tour and that's it. I don't think you can really do that anymore yeah. Um, yeah like you have a podcast you write on a tv show there's like something else or some other things that you do that supplement your income and it of course it's like comedy related but it's not necessarily you just touring and performing also i it, it's interesting to me i mean it seems in their press release they're inclusive of everybody in comedy uh, you know they say people in comedy industry staffers but they say that this is like for stand-up comedy. I'm like, what about improv? What about sketch people? Yeah. I mean, technically these should be part of the same reunion. Yeah, yeah. They should. Do one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it I, that's where it's um UCB uh, when they reopened this year, uh, they made like sort of a, a thing that I think should have been talked about more. They they paid their performers now, which is like 
really hard for them to do because they do a lot of shows that vary in size of like the amount of people on them like so they could have a show that has like four improv teams and that's anywhere from like five to like eight people per team and how do you pay all of those people versus like a line of stand-ups it's like we're like it's like five people you know uh so they had to figure out varying price or like pay sort of formats for that and uh i think like if there were ever to be a comedian union that would have to be a thing that's figured out and i don't know anyone that would want to put the work in for that yeah yeah let let us know (laughs) yeah i will as the comedy girl i'll I'll let you know for sure uh but yeah i mean it would just be great if um everyone had free access to healthcare. you know i have very 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 extremely conservative parents and uh yeah where 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 are your parents from are they immigrants my mom is my dad is not from where the philippines no way i had no idea yeah we're in the philippines she uh apparently she lived in like um what i've been told a really like rundown ghetto outside of manila oh outside of manila and so you've never been um i've been to where the philippines. She huh but you never been to where she grew up no 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 uh does she still have family there or not really she does um yeah. a lot of them are very bad people oh no way well, what's interesting, so I'm a, I'm actually adopted from the Philippines, and so is my sister, but none of us are blood-related. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you're a biological mother. I I have no idea who she is. Don't know who she is, but she, you know she's from the Philippines. From- yeah, well, because I was, oh. all right, okay. well, I mean, this is a little bit of my life story. I was abandoned when I was nine days old by my birth mother in a church because wow. she was run from terrorists. Oh, my God yeah so have you tried to like find her no you never did no she just left a note um and no trace and like for a long time i knew that like well part of that story but 23 and me wasn't really a thing and uh i kind of made peace with not knowing you know yeah um and when 23 and me came around i kind of like well i've lived like a whole life that is separate from her i don't i feel like i'm not going to find any answers or any questions that i have i just um am grateful i you know i even with telling you this i'm not i've like never felt abandoned by her i felt like she was in a very tough situation and she did like the best that she could and i'm very grateful yeah 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 wow that's fascinating. You don't hear that story every day. No, you don't. No, you don't. But I feel like even you, if you were to do a 23 me, I doubt that she's done one. Yeah, I did one. And yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't, uh, you can opt in to see if like you have distant relatives. I did not do that because uh, I just didn't want to like go down that road because that's yeah. just uh, a life that I have led uh yeah i i went to the philippines with my mom to pick up my sister mm-hmm. and it it was a weird weird alien feeling of like everybody does look like me but i don't feel like i belong here yeah 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 wow and so you got um you got 
is your adoptive mother from the Philippines as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But um, I yeah, we didn't go back to where she grew up when we yeah. visited to see uh, to pick up my sister. But we did go to like other like like rundown areas, bad areas where mm -hmm. supposedly extended family of where she uh, of hers where they live, and uh, they just tried to rip us off at every turn. Damn. Yeah, it was Sorry. crazy because yeah. we're from America. We got money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how they see it for sure. <laughs> yeah, that it's weird. It's weird to like people have a the, sort of a, a conceptual idea of what a typical country is, but when you actually go and you experience mm -hmm. it, it's it's really strange in that like it has this sort of like you know suggestion that there's civilization, that there's like something modern happening, but there's just no real rule of law or yeah to anything yeah i get that it's it's yeah there, there's definitely similarities there with lebanon you know same thing yeah just like yeah, utter chaos <laughs> people but in that i mean people are just trying to get by you know like you were saying yeah of course yeah it's not the people's fault it's the systems yeah it's the governments you know that's what i've learned like the mess that we have in my country and everything and people blaming each other or like societies or communities blaming other communities and it's like no one is anyone's fault unless you're like a complete evil person and you kill right. people, you know, but like putting all that aside, it's like everything is the fault of the system and the failure of the government. That's like right. a, a system that fails its people. Right. But when that bomb went off, that was because of bureaucratic, like, like just laziness, right? I mean, that was definitely a part of it for sure, but there was also more to it. Um, Oh yeah, exactly. when somebody set it off. Yeah, I mean, there's some words on the street. I don't want to say anything on record, but like, <laughs> okay, fair. yeah, it's just like there's definitely more to it. But a big chunk of it is yeah, like a lot of the government um, members knew, if not all, that um, that material was there and was very dangerous, and the president knew and they could have done something for a very long time and then decided not to. It was negligence at the core. Yeah. At, at, at its core, the biggest problem with this explosion and, and its impact was our government's negligence. Yeah. yeah. They're just leaving combustible material like that, just sitting right by people's homes. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the, what I would say like probably seven to eight times out of ten when something like that happens it is government negligence yeah yeah but then there's a lot of speculations over what happened but since i don't know for sure which one is the true one i don't want to like say anything on record <laughs> if i become All certain right. i will i will but like for now i'm just right. like oh. yeah i mean i will say if, if somebody from the lebanese government is listening to this podcast that would be kind of exciting <laughs> imagine <laughs> um stemming off of unions next news story uh mtv clip show uh ridiculousness which has run for so many so many seasons and has uh consequently employed a bunch of comedians to write for it uh officially unionized this week uh following a, a vote to uh unionize under the banner of the wga uh, and that was uh, pretty unanimous uh Mm -hmm. So, uh, as a non or unscripted 
in big quotes, which is, I mean, that's the thing about if you don't know and you're listening that reality TV and unscripted or non-scripted is very much scripted by people. It yeah, is. exactly. Yeah, um, it is very much written. Uh, I mean, you know, the uh, truly what's sort of unscripted is documentaries. And mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. So uh, finally, um, these writers who, you know, uh, uh, in the time of this double WGA SAG after strike, a lot of networks and studios are looking to like reality and game shows and all this sort of thing to like fill in the void. And uh, a lot of the writers of Ridiculousness does, do not want to be looked to as like a salve for the industry. So good yeah. for that. Yeah, I think good for them. I mean, those writers definitely need it. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, they it is uh I don't know the specifics of what goes on in their writers room, but I do know people who write on it and um they seem exhausted all the time. Yeah. Yeah. For trying to just write quippy things for Rob Durdeck to say uh in between clips or as clips happen and stuff like that which is i mean that that's like to the degree if it, if you really uh get into the nitty-gritty of it a lot of reality tv you'd think that like some things aren't written a lot of it's written yeah uh, very clearly so yeah i don't watch a lot of reality tv but every time i watch it i'm like Oh, I can see what they tried to do here. That's definitely not just everybody just going about their day. Right. There were there were people who were like, okay, we're gonna have this be the narrative of this episode, and this right. is gonna happen, and you guys are gonna talk about this, and this is what we want to entice, want you guys to entice in each other and trigger and blah blah blah. So it's right. Yeah. People can't be that unhinged all the time. <laughs> Although you know what's interesting is Others they can. Yeah, but that's tiring you know they can be unhinged that in like a concentrated amount for like a little bit of time yeah in contrast you know it's interesting i i don't watch reality tv either but you just kind of couldn't avoid it for a while there there was the controversy known as scandal which happened for vanderpump rules and for as much like you know drama as that show purports to have there was like actual real life drama where uh <laughs> one of the guy cast members he like cheated on another cast member who he's married to off camera and it's like oh so we didn't plan for this to happen so like we actually have to address this for real yeah yeah exactly i don't know how people do it i could i i feel like i could i could never do reality yeah uh yeah because a lot of people do it yeah i I was going to say, because you have some integrity, I don't want to like put down. But it's not just that, you know, I just feel like, where's the line? I feel like I would get, start getting confused. Like which part is my actual life and which part is this and who am yeah. I? And, and also like the way they edit, like I have moments in my day where I'm an absolute nightmare and I have moments in my day where I'm the best person ever. And if you're recording me when I'm my absolute nightmare and then you cut off the parts where I'm the best person ever and you're only showcasing that and that's what people see. And then I feel like that's who I would become and that's how I would see myself. And I feel like that cannot be healthy for your brain. No, absolutely not. And yeah. they, like, how do people do it? 1000% they like take things out of context and like stitch things together to make a 
as they would see compelling narrative but um yeah does that match up how things happen bless you you know it's I interesting myself to try to mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, zoom did not record that i didn't hear it yeah because i muted it oh you muted it okay i thought there's you know yeah. there's like settings on zoom to like there is no there was no benefit in me adding my sneezes to your episode (laughs) it's okay it's okay all right (laughs) last news story uh there is a upcoming documentary uh speaking of documentaries uh Mm -hmm. about the sexual misconduct of one louis ck who very much still gets to perform all around the world and make specials and all that jazz even though he barely apologized for what he did even though he admitted to it uh it's called sorry not sorry and um it is directed by caroline Su and tara monis and uh it just premiered at the toronto international film festival and picked up distribution for north america Meaning that we'll probably get to watch it on some streamer, uh, either sometime this year or maybe next year. Um, I I haven't read. I don't like reading reviews of movies before I see them because I feel like it colors my opinion. But I, uh, from reading headlines of reviews, it seems like uh, it nothing new comes to light yet uh, from this. It's not anything that we don't already know. But um, I do. I do think it's important that we don't like, I mean, of course, Lou would like it for all of us to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I feel like he, that shouldn't happen because he hasn't really like in, I guess the collective consciousness you know, perspective really made up for it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I kind of feel like, Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what it's about and what the angle is and whose story is being told in there. If it's, you know, the women who spoke up or if it's just like random people or. But. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like before all of this happened, Louis was probably I would say without a beat, I would always say at the night before that, that Louis was my favorite comedian of all time. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the main reasons I wanted to start doing comedy. You know, I would watch him and be like so fascinated by his ability to be so honest and candid about like his emotions and what he's going through. And like, I I, I loved his ability to showcase humanity. I think he got like such a great gift at it. Right. Um, at doing that. And I was, I, I loved it. And that's always what I wanted to do with my comedy. And so when this kind of like story came out, it really like, shook me to the core because I was like because I I I loved him and looked up to him so much that I was like I couldn't look at him and not see this anymore you know right. just couldn't especially that I'm a woman you know and, and oh yeah and I know how easy it is for men to put us in situations that make us feel so uncomfortable so fast and how easy it is for them to turn it back around on us and put the responsibility on us and like rid themselves of the responsibility when it's like pretty clear like you know what you're doing dude just don't do that I know yes. a lot of great men, like I, I compare it to like the great men that I know in my life and I'm like I'm everything that you've done I know none of those guys would ever do that 
Like yeah. there's some great people that I know would never do that. So it's not that hard not to do that. Right. The line, like the area is not as gray as you try to say that it is. You're just trying to choose to ignore the line that is very clearly there. Right. But I'm also like, I'm also like, I'm not God. I'm not here to judge anybody that they can't change or grow. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, I know where my comfort is. And, and yeah, I've, I've, I've had trouble getting back into the leadership and I haven't, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm just not that interested in him and what he has to say anymore because I can't look at him and, right. And not see this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's always a weird one for me to try to look at and perceive because I just feel like completely, I remember when it happened, I was just like, no why did you have to be like that yeah it was a huge betrayal especially i mean like you say that he's honest he was honest in a way where uh you would think that he would talk about it something like that yeah beforehand and then when he admitted to it you would hope that he would sort of like do some soul searching and then very much talk about it in a way that we'd all like get some enlightenment from and hopefully like come down but that didn't happen yeah and even if it did i really wouldn't have known because i didn't really yeah yeah absolutely uh (laughs) it's so we'll see when that documentary comes out uh what the sort of public verdict is Um, yeah i'm curious i mean people will watch it i mean people that there was like a you know hastily put together like doc on delia and like with a bunch of receipts mm-hmm. um, that was on youtube and a bunch of people watched that, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. about. so definitely i feel like people whenever this comes out people will watch it and uh sure. maybe they'll become aware you know i for what it's worth i've like dip my toe in watching like his work post that expose and he's like regressed creatively you know whether that's to his new audience uh that he has or not i don't know but um yeah it's not like what it used to be i would love to see uh, a trailer to that documentary yeah that's the thing about film festival news that there's all these announcements and then um they don't it usually takes some time to get some trailers but i'm sure that something will pop up soon because it got a distribution deal yeah it's very interesting i just found like a sorry not sorry documentary full movie on youtube oh interesting i wouldn't trust that probably good yeah i'm not gonna trust that either and it's not it looks like it's it's not it Oh, yeah. click the blue link in the description as uh, if get me to do that you don't do that breaksters yeah those, i swear to god those hackers yeah they're getting too good <laughs> they're getting too good uh-huh do you wait have you gotten fish recently or something i i almost did usually i'm pretty good at catching them but i almost did on on facebook because they they added like a fake green a uh, blue check check mark mm-hmm. to their username that I thought was real, and then I I have someone helping me with like Facebook ads for for my shows in Dubai, and I messaged him and I was like, yeah, did you see that? And he goes, and I'm like, oh wait, is it a 
is it a fake account? He goes, yes, ignore it. Don't click it. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, they're getting good. But usually when I get a text or when I get an email or like when I get anything, I'm very good at being like, nice try. <laughs> it's so funny because the other day I was with my friends. Um, my friend got a call from like clearly a hacker. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, hey, we are noticing that blah, 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 blah. And then, and then another one was like, just give him your credit card information. Oh, and no. And so she was on the phone with them and she goes, oh, wait, 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 wait. Do you want my credit card info? Do you want my credit card? Yeah. Do you want to put my credit? Well, I'll give you my credit card. Take it. And then the guy just hung up because he could tell she was fucking with him. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was so satisfying to watch. Right. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. A, um, a few, several years ago, there was a comedian and writer by the name of Dave Holmes who like, like really went above and beyond as like to prank with them gamers like he really uh, yeah he had a bunch of fake info before him and just like went down as far as the rabbit hole as he could love it yeah, yeah love it yeah those people are evil leave me alone yeah absolutely i'm sorry whoever hurt you hurt you and you feel like uh you you the you could just do whatever you want to the world because <laughs> you've been left alone but please don't do that yeah oh boy so don't click on um, any link don't ever click on any link no one is going to make you rich with bitcoin please no no no, no one is on instagram the guy that supposedly was going to do that is potentially facing jail time it's yeah thank you so much for uh joining me here on the uh podcast today uh where can people find you online and is there anything else you would like to promote coming up um yeah people can find me on instagram at not your color this is where i post all of my all of my shows and 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 the dates i'm going to be in your city i'm doing um union hall in new york september 23rd um i've been doing this show monthly of just me running new material Mm -hmm. um so if you've seen my hour and you want to see new stuff this is the perfect place for you to come see it if you haven't seen my hour still like see somebody workshop things <laughs> also come to that mm-hmm. um there's one on september 23rd one on october 22nd mm-hmm. and then another one in november and december i can't remember the november and december dates right now if you're in dubai i'm going to dubai in two weeks mm-hmm. september 27th to 29th i'm going to be performing there and then i'm also going to be in philly december 10th if you live in philly and then um we're working on some other dates um right now so yeah Everything would be on my Instagram. Amazing. I almost wish I could be at the Dubai show just to see what it'd be like. Yeah, it's definitely different than what you would usually get in the States, but still fun. Yeah. Just a little different. A little bit more of a confused crowd when I'm up there, for sure. (laughs) In America, they're like, yeah, okay, here's another crazy person on stage. Uh (laughs) You know, Uh Dubai, they're like, what is happening? (laughs) But it's still fun. Yeah. Great. Uh I'm Jay Corger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at the Comedy At the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram and not the supermarket on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. Uh so many great causes support at this time. I'd ask that you please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep it going. And do you have anything to say as we sign off here, Natalie? No, thank you for having me. And have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a very lovely start to my day as well. Uh, Happy to hear thank it. You, thank you so much. Thanks, uh, Jake. 
live comedy is happening, as the great Barry Stevens would say. Enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.